Hey, DJ, ready for another great episode of the Men Who Watch Movies? Yep. What are we watching today? A superhero movie. Oh, I know. It's Frankie Muniz and Pizza Man. No. What are we watching? It's the 10th anniversary of the Man of Steel. You know what? That's that's definitely a better idea. We're a couple of guys who like to watch movies. Cinema nerds who made it our duty to make a show where we break down, discuss, and review. We're the men who watch movies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Men Who Watch Movies. My name is Alec. And my name's DJ the Movie Man Wagner, also known that as the CEO of the Men Who Watch Movies. And with me is the Vice President of the Men Who Watch Movies. Would you give a big Movie Man welcome to Al Castro Home? It's good to be back. Uh, we, uh, we intended to record this episode for last week. Uh, we had it all set and done. Uh, we're talking about the Man of Steel, but like an idiot, I, I forgot to record the audio. We only had video for it, so uh, we're redoing it for you. Uh, now, if I hadn't said that, you wouldn't have known. So uh, I, I just kind of screwed up there. But anyway, and not to get too off topic here, we have a great episode. We're going to discuss the 10th anniversary of the Man of Steel. I can't believe it's been 10 years. It doesn't even seem that long, right? Oh, yeah. It's been like a while since the Man of Steel came out since, I believe, 2013. Uh, yeah, yeah, 2013. Man, it doesn't seem like that long. Anyway, uh, we're going to have fun talking about that and, uh, you know, the future of the DC Universe. But before we get into all of that, we're going to do what we always do, talk about some of the industry stuff that's going on this week in Movie News. Cue that intro. All right, all right, all right. We have a lot of good stuff this week in movie news. We have a bit of a backlog, so uh, some of this movie news is a little bit older, maybe a week old, but uh, we're going to try and cram in some of the stuff that we missed. Uh, Of course, we have some newer stuff as well. We have a lot to get to, so let's get started. All right, our first bit of movie news. Apparently, Vin Diesel uh, blames Fast X bad box office and reviews on Jason Momoa. What do you think about that? I think that's dumb. It's ridiculous. I mean, like, you know... (laughs) Vin Diesel, Jason Momoa, they're both actors, they're in the movie. Why the hell is Vin Diesel angry? And he, he's claiming that, uh, you know, Jason Momoa's, you know, acting uh, basically took away the spotlight from the movie. And, and, and you know, he's blaming him for something that's not even an issue of his. You know, I, I think it just, you know, people are tired, getting tired of these movies. I mean, they're still popular, but... You know, and definitely not as much they used to be. They, they got more and more ridiculous as they went along. And I think, uh, you know, I think the audience, you know, is just not as interested as they used to be. It's not Jason Momoa's fault. Uh, apparently, he said he's embarrassed that Jason is being branded the only bright spot in the film and stealing his thunder in the franchise he built himself. Uh, Diesel's further, uh, uh, you know, allegedly saying that Momoa's overacting and scene stealing undermined the artistic Artistic integrity of Fast X. <laughs> I can't believe you used uh, Fast X and artistic integrity in the same sentence. That's that's ridiculous. But uh, uh, I think he needs to grow up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you can't blame Jason Momoa. Well, yeah, Jason know? Momoa's a legend. He plays Aquaman. He, he plays uh, Conan the Barbarian in the reboot. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's definitely not Jason Momoa's fault. Uh, and I can't believe they're still doing these movies. They're going to do like another spinoff with The Rock again or something like that, right? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like it was, it was something like that. But uh, I don't know how many they're going to do, actually. I mean, too many. That's my um, opinion of the movies. You know, they're very, very awesome. But the real question is, how many movies are they going to do? Right, right, right. All right, all right. Moving on, moving on. Avengers. The Secret Wars is uh, said to be rumored to be split into two different movies. And that's not very surprising. It's very common when you come to a big uh, conclusion as a series of movies. Uh, they usually break them up into two. I mean, they did it with the first uh, conclusion to the original Infinity Saga. 
you know, of course we had originally it was supposed to be Avengers Endgame Part One and Two, and then they switched it to or no, sorry, it was Infinity War Part One and Two, then they switched it to Infinity War and Endgame, uh, and the Justice League was originally supposed to be two parts until you know uh, Joss Whedon got a hold of it, and then, and then they released the Zack Snyder cut, which is infinitely better. But uh, anyway, yeah, and then they you know they did it with the Twilight movies and the Harry Potter films and whatnot, so it's not very surprising, right? It's not surprising, but it's uh, holy moly. <laughs> well said, well said. All right, our next bit of movie news. Apparently, Hocus Pocus 3 is in the works. Are, are you a fan of the Hocus Pocus series? Well, let me put this in a more positive way. I like the first one. Okay. Because it had Doug Jones. Uh, the casting was terrific. Uh, the second one... I have no idea about the second one because I saw clips of it and I, I had no idea why I saw the clips of it. But anyway, I uh, was like, you know, what the holy moly is going on? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually enjoyed the second one. I thought it was pretty much in line with the first. I didn't grow up watching these movies. I watched them when I was older, but um, they're, they're pretty enjoyable. I could see the appeal and, uh, you know, um you know, we'll see what they could do with the third one. I thought the second one was pretty finite. They they kind of settled their story and whatnot, but we'll see. Uh, I hope they bring back Thora Birch. She was missing from the second one, of course. I mean, she I don't think she's really acting anymore. Uh, she might be in some stuff as of recent, but is that uh, the is that the Captain and Jimmy character? No, the, no, no, no. Thora, Thora Birch is uh, she was a child actress at the time of the first one came out. Oh, and uh, have you seen the movie Ghost World with Steve Buscemi and? I think I have. She's the main actress in that. Has Scarlett Johansson in it. She's great, uh, but she hasn't been acting as of late. And so hopefully, I hope she makes a return in Hocus Pocus 3. That'd be great. All right, all right, all right. Next bit of movie news. Apparently, Captain America 4 has a title change. It wasn't even called um, something else completely, but now it's called Brave New World. Um, what do you think about that as the title for Captain That's America? very, very different. But, um, yeah, that's a uh, change for you. You know, they... Uh, Say a title that's going to be this title, and then they're going to change it up, but it is what it is. Yeah, originally it was going to be called New World Order. I actually like that title better. Uh, that sounds like a title of a Captain America movie, but uh, 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 Brave New World almost sounds like an inspiring Disney movie where, you know, like an animal goes on an adventure or something. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a Captain America, but I hope it's great. I'm looking forward to see, uh, you know, Anthony Mackie as Captain America. We have Bucky um, again. It's a. Uh... It's going to be another uh, awesome movie or something yeah, on Disney+. I, Plus. So. I, I, I have no idea. Uh, it's going to be a movie in theaters and then oh. eventually to Disney+. Plus. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a movie in theaters. All right, all right, all right. Apparently, uh, the sex pest Brian Singer is self-financing a new documentary to address his sexual assault claims. Uh, how skewed is that going to be? I mean, that's ridiculous. It's going to be super, super ridiculous. Yeah, of course he's going to make himself look, you know, in, in the best light as possible. Just, just go away, go to hell, uh, and I'm done with. It. I mean, that's just sad. I mean, he's made some great movies, but he has to be, you know, a deviant. Uh, disgusting person. The Usual Suspects um, is my favorite, favorite movie of all time. It's a good movie, and he's done some great stuff. I like what he did with the X-Men and whatnot, but uh, it's hard to enjoy those movies knowing you know, knowing what he's done and whatnot. But uh, let's not to get too too much into that. All right, let's just keep going. Let's keep this train rolling. Uh, Shannon Doherty apparently um, said that her breast cancer has now spread to her brain. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's sad news to hear. Uh, this scary stuff, man. Uh, you know, health stuff is, it's, you know, it's its crazy. Um, and we can, you know, wish her the best, and hopefully she has a full-on recovery. We wish you the best, yeah. Shannon Godry. It's so sad to hear, but, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully they're able to, you know, do the treatment and whatnot, and then it works. All right, all right, all right. Next bit of movie news. Mission Impossible 8 has shut down filming due to the writer's strike. I bet, <laughs> I bet uh, Tom Cruise is pissed. I doubt it. He doesn't he like delays. He doesn't like being put in a corner. I mean, of course, he was mad recently about uh, all the screens being taken up by Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> he was trying. He was like biggie, pre- pretty much like you know trying to beg people to move their uh, showtime so that they can get M- Mission Impossible on screen and whatnot uh, for the latest one that's coming out. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with Mission Impossible Eight. I wonder what that one's going to be called. I don't know because the I, one that's coming I, out right now is MI Seven, right? 
Yeah. Um, what's I forget what the title is, but he's always doing some crazy ass stunts. Apparently, like this latest one, uh, he's he did like a stunt where he like jumps a motorcycle off a cliff or something like that. And he did it like six times. Apparently, that's literally dangerous. I hope he gets a stunt <laughs> double. It was like Mike no, Keaton he did he did it himself. Batman. He did it himself. Um, yeah, and then when uh, when he finds like a stunt crew that's not willing to do something, he'll fire them and hire a new stunt crew. He's he's insane, but he he makes a good movie. I gotta admit that he's legendary. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Let's move on to our next bit of movie news. Apparently, the next Indiana Jones movie, uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, is projected to open lower than uh, the opening for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, what do you think? A lot of people are concerned about that. What do you think about that? It looks really, really, really good. Um, what do you think, though? Do you think it's going to open as low as they say it's going to open, or do you think it's going to open uh, to big numbers? I think it might open to big numbers. Yeah, I, I think they're... A lot of people are concerned because they they projected it to open so low. Uh, they said about sixty to seventy million, which, like I said, is lower than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which you know obviously not everyone's favorite <laughs> to say the least. But um, I think they're just trying to keep the numbers low. They don't want to overproject it because uh, then if they miss it, it's going to look bad on their part. I feel like if they underestimate it and it does better, uh, you know, and it's going to look great, uh, you know, financially. So. I think they're just trying to keep keep their expectations uh, realistic and hoping for the best. So uh, I'm definitely going to go see it. Uh, it looks it looks. I mean, from the what I can tell from the trailer, it looks better than the the last one. So uh, you know, that's that's something. All right, all right, all right. Next bit of movie news. Apparently, Brian Cranston has said that he is planning to retire from acting in 2026 to spend more time with his wife. Uh, you know, he said that. He, you know, just being an actor, you know, he's all over the place doing auditions and doing roles and this and that. And, then, you know, she's kind of tagging along, you know, hanging on for the ride. So he wants to settle down, maybe move to France, I think he said, and, start, you know, try farming or doing gardening or whatever. What do you think about that? It looks really, really fun for Brian Cranston. Yeah. I hope, I hope he, he has, has a fun time. Now, now, he clarified his statement before people were like, oh, man, God, he's he's not going to act ever again. But he said... He said it's more of a pause than anything. It's not a complete retirement. So we might see him again in the future. But, you know, after, you know, um, you know, after his his pause, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, it's good that he's taking time for himself. Uh, you need to do that to keep your mental health in check and whatnot. You know, uh, I think that's great. All right. All right. All right. There's some rumors going around. I'm sure everyone's heard already, but uh, let's talk about this. Apparently, uh, the singer of that song, uh, Milkshake, um, Kellis, uh, 43 years old, is said to be dating Bill Murray, who is 72. You, you know, you know, the song Milkshake. Oh, I remember it. It's hilarious. <laughs> what, what you want? You want to say a little bit for us? No. Okay. Dun, 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 Your milkshake dun, brings all the boys to bed. Anyway, dun, dun. I don't want to get a copyright strike or anything. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I don't know what you think about that though. That's uh... it looks really, really different. I mean, like I, I hope Bill Murray is, you know, um, you know, keeping it together. You know, I, I hope he doesn't, you know, get into another scandal. Yeah, we wish right. you the best, Mr. Murray. Uh, he's something else, isn't he? They, yes. they don't call him the Murr came for nothing. All right, all right, all right. Next bit of movie news. And I was excited when I heard about this. Apparently, they're making a new Leprechaun movie at Lionsgate. That's going to be ex- that's gonna be a great... What do you think about that? That's going to be awesome, but uh, <laughs> is it going to be their last one, or are they going to make more of them? I hope, hope, hope they make plenty more. These movies are pretty hilarious. I don't know, especially the first ones. I mean, they're just so crazy. Uh, I enjoy watching them every uh, St. Patrick's Day. So uh, hopefully this one comes... Hopefully this one comes out around that time so we can talk about it. But uh, I think it's going to be fun. Hopefully they keep it, uh, you know, tongue in cheek. I hope they don't take it too seriously like that reboot of uh, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Just keep it, keep it fun. Keep it uh, crazy. Uh, you know, it's apparently Felipe Vargas, um, Helmer of the award-winning short film Milk Teeth, is going to be the director. I've never heard of that in my life. Uh, but wish him the best. I'm sure uh, it's gonna be some. <laughs> so we'll see about that. Oh no, new allegations are coming out in our next bit of movie news. Uh, actor Tenoch Huerta, who played Namor in uh, Black Panther Two, uh, is being accused of sexual assault by Mexican musician and activist Maria Rios. Oh no, what is going on over there in Marvel? I have no idea, <laughs> but uh. Holy moly, 
What the fuck is going on? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, hopefully these allegations are true, but uh, I don't know. First Jonathan Majors and now this. I mean, it's like uh, two of their biggest actors that, you know, they're going to be in projects in the future and whatnot, especially Jonathan Majors. But, you know, I'm sure sure Namor was going to be a big part of the MCU going forward. And now I bet Disney and Marvel are shitting bricks. Uh... (laughs) We're going to try and figure out what to do. Um, meanwhile, uh, as I've said, Ezra Miller uh, still chugging on, apparently. Um, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but uh, they said if the Flash movie does good enough, they're they're going to go ahead with a, a Flash 2. And that means Ezra Miller is coming back. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how he could, keeps getting away with this shit. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe he's a celebrity, I guess. I mean, the, you know, so is uh, Tino Huerta and Jonathan Majors, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, man. Anyway, anyway, uh, speak of the devil. Uh, Ezra Miller uh, made a statement uh, about the ongoings uh, for the first time on the Flash red carpet. They thanked Andy Muschietti, the director of the Flash movie, um, for their grace and disconcernment and care in their life for bringing the film to life. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, We'll see. We'll see what's going on with this movie. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I just want to see Michael Keaton back. Um, are uh, are you going to go check it out? It's coming out this weekend, man. Oh yeah, I might check it out. Yeah, I want to check it out. Um, hopefully it's good. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. All right. All right. Next bit of movie news. Apparently the Avatar sequels have been officially delayed into the 2030s because of the writer's strike. So, yeah, so all the all the sequels have been pushed back. Uh, Avatar, Avatar, oh my gosh, can't speak today, like usual. Uh, Avatar 3 has been delayed one year, now releasing in December 2025. Avatar 4 has been delayed to December 2029. And Avatar 5 is going to be released December 2031. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think, uh, I think they, uh, they gave themselves too big of a task. They should have just focused on one at a time, but whatever. I don't know. Are you excited? I haven't seen, I still haven't seen one of these damn movies. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> it's like watching the blue man group. <laughs> I guess. Well, you know, man, like the blue man group, you know, in the rest of developing, you know, are you serious? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess they are blue. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. A lot of people. I mean, the, these movies do well. Obviously, um, people are big fans of them. I, I can't. I can't get past the first one, man. I keep falling asleep. Not. I'm not trying to shit on it and whatever. But you know, it's they're just not my. Uh, they're just not my bag, you know. But um, but that's okay. That's just like my opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. Moving on, moving on. Apparently, there's another live action Disney remake in the works. Oscar winner Sarah Polly is in talks to direct the live-action Bambi film for Disney. I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's going to you know, look good because, you know, Disney's Disney, you know. Is this a different version of Bambi? Yeah, live it's going to be, yeah, live-action. I mean, obviously, live-action in quotes. Quote-unquote live-action. Uh, it's probably going to be all CGI, of course. They don't, they don't use real animals anymore. Or rarely use real animals anymore in film. Um I can only imagine what the scene is going to be like when Bambi's mom gets shot. Hopefully, it's like, uh, hopefully it's like something out of Paul Verhoeven movie. Uh, anyway, I doubt it. No. Just, anyway, uh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about this? I don't think. I think it this movie is interesting. But um, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, not going <laughs> to see it at all. It's definitely not going to be like that. But uh, that'd not be cool. Maybe it. that'd be interesting if it was. You know, a horror movie. Uh, it should be like a revenge flick. They should make Bambi a revenge flick, like a John Wick. You know, her mom, you know, Bambi, Maybe. what is Bambi? Is it a, I don't know if it's a male or female deer, but, uh, you know, I never thought about that. I'm yeah, not a smart question. man. Uh, anyway, it's a deer, you know, his mom gets shot and uh, it goes on a hunt for revenge, you know, that'd be awesome. I would watch that, um, but that's not going <laughs> to, or maybe someday we'll never know. All right, all right, all right. Moving on, moving on. Guillermo del Toro reveals he's going to semi-retire. He's going to retire from live-action filmmaking and will only direct animation. Apparently, uh, while hosting a masterclass at an animated film festival, director Guillermo del Toro uh, said that he's going to primarily focus on directing animated films. 
he quote he he's been quoted as saying there are a couple more live action movies i want to do but not many after that i only want to do animation that's the plan what do you think about that oh it's gonna look good you know it's um you know i, I hope he does good on you know animation movies because i don't know what he's gonna animate in the movies but you know uh i'm sure i'm sure the possibilities are limitless we wish him the very best Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like that new Pinocchio movie. I mean, I feel like the potential for creativity is like, you know, it's, you know, like I said, limitless. There's so much you could do with the medium. Uh, and then he's he's kind of breathing new life into it. It's one of those things that kind of wanes, um, you know, but with, you know, with, like I said, that Pinocchio movie that came out and all kinds of other things. It was very weird. You know, they're doing a new chicken run. You know, it's, it's like, you know, the stop motion animation is coming back, man. Uh, it's on an upswing, so it's going to be good. I uh, you know, and he, he loves doing stuff like that. So we'll see. We'll see what his career has in store for us. All right, right, right. Of course, uh, the delays continue as the Daredevil: Born Again and Penguin uh, shows are delayed because of the writer's strike. I so. hope they resolve it. <laughs> yeah, man, this is getting to be a big bummer. Two shows I've been looking forward to heavily, and uh, now they're going to be put off. Uh, along with, you know, countless other shows and whatnot. So uh, hopefully they can resolve it soon I and mean, pay those damn writers, man. See, without without them, all these shows are not happening. So they need to get on that shiz. All right, all right, all right. Uh, next bit of movie news. Apparently the next Ghostbusters movie, um, uh, some of the details have been spilled by Dan Aykroyd. Uh, he's been quoted as saying, I'm excited about this one. It's got a beautiful, heartfelt story. And a great threat. Some scary moments. And it brings back Annie Potts, Ernie Hudson, and Bill Murray. So apparently Bill Murray's back. And, uh, of course, himself. And he said, we've handled the torch. We've handed the torch to new people. Finn Wolfhard and Paul Rudd and Carrie Coon. Uh, apparently he's also said it has to do with, like, possessed items and artifacts. So that sounds interesting. I still don't know what the logo is about. Apparently they revealed the logo. And it's like a frozen over version of the Ghostbusters logo. So... Uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on with that. Uh, there's been a lot of filming. I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures online, but they've been filming like crazy on sets and in the streets of New York. It's exciting. I've not seen it, but I guarantee it's going to be an awesome, awesome movie. Oh yeah, it's exciting to see the Ecto rolling around New York again. So um, hopefully, hopefully the movie's great. And our last bit of movie news is a sad bit of movie news. Actor Treat Williams, star of Hair, the musical, and Everwood has died after being involved in a motorcycle accident oh. uh, at the age of 71. That's sad, you know. Yeah. Things like this just are so sad and, you know, yeah. give our condolences to the yeah. family. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All righty, righty. This wraps up this week in movie news. Yep. All right, let's get on to the show. Now, Man of Steel. What do you think about this one? <laughs> it's very, very different from what I saw, you know. I mean, the versions that I've seen um, date back to the 1978 Christopher Reeves version of Superman. Oh, yeah, of course, a classic. Now, there was a, um, something about, you know, Christopher Reeves, you know, back then, you know, he was in various movies. And unfortunately, he was a string bing back then. You know, he was very skinny. <laughs> he was right. trying to find a um, something to be bulkier, so he went to the attic. He found the uh, biggest uh, bulky blue sweater he can find. And of course, they wanted to give him a padded uniform. But Christopher Reeve was determined to build up his own physique for real. Oh, yeah. I wonder, if, is this like the first case of somebody like working out and stuff like that for uh, like a superhero movie like this? Well, in Christopher Reeves' um, interview, which I saw, uh, he worked out for, I, I have no idea how many hours, but he worked out uh, vigorously for the, for the Superman role because uh -huh. he, uh, as you know, he's um, he was a, a string being. Yeah. And, string, and Superman is no string being. He's a strong man. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, the only thing is, like, you know, uh, it was, like, something of a... a different because you know because i i didn't really understood why uh you know they wouldn't give christopher reeve, christopher reeve a padded uniform or um something like that I, I have no idea why but you know you know good job christopher reeves i mean that was probably more common back then to we like will miss you to want to like uh you know put on like the padding and the muscle suits and whatnot 
but yeah, I mean, it's it's rare to have an actor that's dedicated, especially back then, that's dedicated enough to, you know, to work out and build up to that kind of uh, yeah. Physique. It was uh, it's, now it's common. vigorous training, but I think that David Prowse was his trainer. I guess I'm not sure, but uh, oh, is that who that? Oh, wow, that's that's. Cool. I'm not sure, but he is the six foot six. Uh, Darth Vader, the original Darth Vader. Yes, in the original course. trilogy, he didn't speak. Uh, Gabriel Jones was actually the uh, voice of Darth Vader. Um, the reason why uh, Dave Prowse wasn't the voice of Darth Vader was because of his <laughs> mid-country accent. That's right. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. But not to get too off topic here. Um, but yeah, uh, Christopher Reeves definitely set the precedent. Uh, do you think uh, Henry Cavill lived up to that? Well, I can say this for all the fans of Superman. Uh, this one is very, very different, and this one is very, very awesome from what I can tell. It's oh, yeah. very good. It's oh, well yeah, done. I think they took some of the elements from the comics and put it in the movie. But yeah, this version of Jonathan Kent is a little different. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I think he definitely, he definitely filled out the role of Superman really well. I think, like you said, it was a great mix of stuff that come before, you know, stuff uh, from the co- from the newer comic books. They they definitely kind of you know tried giving a fully rounded representation of Superman rather than just like the cookie cutter, uh, you know, you know patriotic, you know, uh, you know uh, Superman that we've seen in you know previous iterations. And of course, like I said, the classic Christopher Reeve Superman. He's very much just that. He's like truth, justice, and the American way. Uh, and now they're taking Superman and Man of Steel into the 21st century, uh, making him more grounded, and you know, as much as you can for a man who can fly and a dark you know, Superman, which, ben which, Steel which is like you know, like you know, he doesn't kill. But uh, yeah, don't want to spoil anything. But you know, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, I mean, like you know, they say you know, Batman doesn't kill. I doubt it. You know, because he is angry, you know. I like a Batman that kills. And, you know, there, there is something about, you know, when they say, you know, uh, heroes don't kill, you know. Batman doesn't kill. I doubt it. <laughs> As we've seen in uh, in the Justice League, or in uh, Batman versus Superman, and, uh, of course, the Keaton movies, he kills a lot. Anyway, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, like I said, they really brought him into the 21st century. They they rounded him out. They gave him, uh, you know, a deeper backstory into his mythology. Uh, of course, we've seen stuff like that in the comic book before, but never really in a in a film. And I feel like they really added a lot of depth to him. Of course, uh, that's, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan, who did the Batman movies, he produced, um, you know, Man of Steel. Um, I believe the, there was like an interview, I think I read, uh, talking about their decision process and bringing Zack Snyder uh, to be the director of Man of Steel is because, you know, he's really good with mythology and backstory. And uh, they thought he would have that great vision to bring Superman to life. And that's one of the great things I do love about his interpretation of Superman is that, you know, they really tie it back uh, to, you know, like I said, mythology of the past, uh, even to like, you know, you know, religion and all, all different kinds of all different kinds of ideas and really make it, you know, something more than just a two-dimensional character come to life. Um, do you like all that stuff? Do you like all that backstory? And Oh, yeah. It's very, depth? very good. It ties in the movie. It makes the scenery look good. Oh, yeah. And the, the visuals are a whole other thing. Visuals are awesome. Yeah. We just, Zack Snyder is, like, epic at visuals. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean even, even from a movie. From from Sin <laughs> yeah. City, from other movies he has done. Uh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah, I love 300. Um, Watchmen. I love the Watchmen. That's great. A classic movie. Um, even this, even a movie like Sucker Punch where the story was, <laughs> wasn't all that good. Uh, the visuals were just freaking amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, and he, so he brought that kind of sensibility into into the Man of Steel. I mean, like I said, you know, the amazing visuals, great world building. I mean, it, it was great seeing uh, the opening scene in uh, Krypton. Of course, you know, we've seen it in Superman 76, right? Is that when it, the first one came out? I believe it's 78. 78. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I get my numbers mixed up. But, That's okay. Uh, the, you know, the Christopher Reeve Superman, we've seen Krypton, a very, like, barren, desolate world, like almost like, you know, it's all crystals and whatnot. Uh, very striking visuals. But, but this, this one is very, very different. This I one mean, is very alive. Like It's very, very alive. Yeah. Um, there's a, of course, there's a Russell Crowe portraying the role of, Jor-El. Yeah. And of course, 
the uh, actress named Ilet Zur, who plays uh, Superman's mom. And, of course, you know, they fill the role very, very well. Yeah. And the reason why it's very, very good is because Ilet Zur was on a TV show called Daredevil. Oh, oh. she played uh, Vanessa Fisk. That's the, uh, right. Yeah, that's right. You told me about that. Wilson Fisk. I mean, it's like, you know, when I saw the the connection together, I'm like, you know, hey, you know, it, it, the actress is familiar. Oh, it, it's Eilid <laughs> Zur from you have a good uh, eye. <laughs> Daredevil. You have a good eye for that. I didn't even notice that. Uh, but yeah, looking back, yeah, it is it is the same person. Uh, but yeah, they did a great job uh, playing uh, playing his parents. I thought um, I thought Kal El, uh, I mean, sorry, Jor El was great in this. Um, but like I said, yeah, the world the world building on Krypton was great. We get to see all the different creatures and then you know the diff- the kind of the workings of their society. Even even though you know it's only briefly, uh, I think it's great in the whole scene uh, where uh, Zod is trying to take over. He's trying to overthrow the government. He blows a lot of them away it's it's pretty great uh but of course you know it's it's a you know uh interpretation of the classic you know superman tale we see it's uh, uh something of a coup d'etat yeah and then of course we see krypton is in danger and uh, in this one it's not the planet blowing up or no it's not the sun blowing up that destroys krypton it's the planet itself apparently they're mining the core uh, too much and it's starting to implode on itself so it's a little bit of a different take but uh, you know it's, it's variation of the same thing the, the planet's in danger um, so they have to get uh, you know Kal-El uh, who in this version uh, apparently uh, the you know Krypton has been like creating like the perfect beings and whatnot they've been kind of like creating artificial test tube babies if you will and uh, Kal-El is like the first natural born baby in like thousands of years or some shit like that right yeah, it's a very, very different, you know. It wasn't shown in the 78 version of Superman. No, they didn't go Reeve. that in-depth with it. No, they didn't go in-depth with it. But the John Williams music for um, Christopher Reeve's Superman, fantastic. Yeah, that's one thing I'd say. I, I, I wish, uh, you know, I wish the score had something as memorable as that. But, I mean, I mean, I, I do love, uh, who's who, who did the score for this, Hans Zimmer? I think, of, yeah, it's Hans Zimmer. Okay, yeah. I mean, I do love Hans Zimmer's work. It's very, like, low profile i mean it's very epic but it doesn't have like a it's like you know which is what he's going for it doesn't have like that hum ability but i do love i do love the classic uh superman theme from john williams but uh but that's that's you know that's neither here nor there uh but yeah uh so we see them uh they they try loading up kal-el onto a ship you know as in the, all the classic interpretations but in this one they uh they take what's known as like the codex which has like the genetic information of all of krypton and they load it into uh, Kal-El's cells and uh, set them off uh, into the space headed towards Earth. Um, you know, much to uh, Zod's chagrin. He's trying to cap- he's trying to capture and kill Kal-El before he's, he's able angry. to make it Earth. Like in the whole movie, he is yeah. angry. And it's like, you know, it's like, you know, calm down, Zod. You're so angry. Yeah. Uh, so basically his plan is he wants to expand. Because uh, I think, what, what was it, like Krypton's downfall is the, they used to... They used to go and expand, uh, you know, their empire throughout, you know, different planets and whatnot. But they decided to stop that for some reason, and they decided to stay on Krypton and mine it to extinction. And uh, so I think uh, was it Zod's plan is to to start branching out again and taking over other planets uh, and turning them into a, a habitable, hospitable, whatever whatever word it is, uh, you know, planet that they can live on. Um, I think that's why he was trying to take over the government, right? Yeah, um, he was angry. He was very forceful. Uh, the reason why that they changed the script in this movie was because, um, you know, Terrence Stamp's version of General Zod, very, very awesome. But Michael Shannon does a very, very darker version of Zod. You know, oh, it's yeah. very different. Yeah, Terrence Stamp was more like regal. Like, he was obviously a bad guy, but he was very, he was much more like... Uh, like he, like you said, he's like classy and whatnot. Uh, but the Zod in this one, uh, he was like, yeah, he he was just like batshit crazy. I mean, obviously he had his reason. He wasn't just like insane or anything like that. But he he would go off the 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 rail, man. He 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 played it really well. Uh, it was terrifying, you know, a terrifying version of Zod. Um, 
more so than Terrence Stamp. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Michael Shannon, right? Michael, Michael Shannon. Shannon. Yes. He, he did a great job with this. Yeah, but Zod would just go off the, the rails. This is the maddest I've ever been! <laughs> and I like seeing him like that. Uh, especially like when he realized that, uh, you know, Kal-El had been sent off to Earth. You know, he he's like, I will find him. I love those moments where he just pure anger and... You know, he's just willing to do whatever it takes to, to enact his vision and whatnot. Of course, you know, just like the, the original uh, movie, you get, they get sent to the, van, the Phantom Zone, although it's not a cellophane square flying through space like the first movie. It's like this huge like machine apparatus thing that sends him into a, a wormhole or whatever. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Kal-El gets sent off into space, into, you know, to land on Earth. Of course, he gets adopted by... Martha and Jonathan Kent. Um, but then we see uh, it's, it's kind of a non-linear storytelling here. You know, like the first one, it's very straightforward. You know, we see Superman as a baby, as a teenager, and eventually as an adult. Uh, and this one, like you know, we we flash forward and backward. Uh, what do you think about that? Was that a little jarring for you, or did you it's enjoy awesome. that? Yeah, you know, it uh, progressed until you know Superman was a baby. He was a teenager. He's a grown man. But there were flashbacks where he was afraid of something and he locked himself in a closet. And of course, um, oh, yeah, that was a good scene. Uh, I, I, Martha Kent was actually, you know, saying, like, you know, um, you got to come out. Uh, you got to come out of the closet. Um, what can I do to make you come out of the closet? You know, there, there was something about it that was so amazing and um, so terrific. And of course, uh, Diane Lane, who portrays Martha Kent in a very, very awesome yet very. Just an awesome way to portray a character like that. Just awesome. So legendary and very, very perfect. Yeah, out of the two, uh, I preferred uh, Martha over Jonathan Kent. Let's just say that. We'll get into that in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that was a great scene uh, showing uh, you know, young Clark Kent dealing with his powers that are forming. And, of course, he, he's not used to being able to... Uh, see through, you know, people see their bones and, you know, he's you know, he's hearing things. It reminded me of that scene in the Ben Affleck Daredevil when he first gets his powers. Everything's just so overwhelming to him, all the sound, loud sounds, and he's seeing weird things and he doesn't know how to handle these powers. So, uh, yeah, that's right. Martha's talking to him while he's hiding in the janitor's closet at his school, you know, listening to the sound of my voice. Or say de-age her and make her look young because it's back yeah. when, you know, Clark Kent was in, you know, middle school. Something I, like that. College, yeah. high school, I'm not sure. No, yeah, they're like elementary and middle elementary, school. Elementary, something, something like that. that. I don't want to get the stuff confused, but you know, <laughs> it's a great, great, awesome movie. And I give this movie a 10 out of 10. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not at rating it yet, but yeah, I get Cool. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was great. Uh, and now, of course, we see like uh, flash forwards of him as an adult. Uh, he, you know, he's like a there's a point where he was like a wanderer. You know, just kind of going around from town to town, wandering, trying to, trying to figure out his life. To he, the he, planets. Yeah, he worked uh, on like a like a ship. And then uh, there's that scene. There's a great scene where he s- saves the people on the oil rig, and he has to bounce after that because he kind of gave away um, his abilities. Uh, he's been trying to hide. Uh, you know, mostly from the influence from his dad, uh, John, not, not Jor-El, but, you know, Jonathan Kent, who's been, uh, you know, trying to have him hide his abilities because he's worried about him. He's worried what that will unleash. He doesn't think people are ready for that. And we see that throughout the movie, of course. Uh, there's a, a scene where, uh, you know, he's in, I think he's in high school or whatnot, or middle school or whatever. They're on that bus that crashes into the water, school bus, and uh, he ends up saving everyone uh, by lifting the bus out of the water onto the shore. And then, of course, all his classmates are freaking out. And uh, uh, there's, uh, there's this kid uh, that was, like, bullying them. Or bullying Clark at the time, and he ends up saving him. And his, th- that kid's parents go to see Jonathan and Martha. If I remember correctly, it was Pete Ross's family. Something like that, yeah. Yes. And they go to see Jonathan and Martha, and they're freaking out. Like, oh, man, like this was amazing. This was like an act of God. Like, you know, I, I, I know... You know, my son knows what he saw and it was, you know, they're basically like just tripping out. And uh, of course, you know, J- uh, Jonathan has a talk with Clark about like the implications of, you know, unleashing his uh, abilities on the world and how people aren't ready for it. And I think that's all, you know, that's cool that, that yeah, having that discussion you, you throughout think, the you movie. Know, like, you know, people are afraid, afraid of change, Clark, you know, <laughs> they won't know your abilities because they haven't found out about it yeah. you might get scared uh-huh. you have to choose what whether the man you're gonna grow up to be are you gonna 
stand with the people or are you going to be against with the people? Yeah, I have a problem with the Jonathan Kent. He's, he's uh, I don't know. I don't know his logic here because I get the point that he wants to, um, you know, keep Clark, keep Clark's abilities, you know, kind of a secret for his sake. But then there's a point where Clark was asking him, you know, what should I have done? Should I have let them die, you know, in order to hide my abilities? And, and then and freaking Jonathan's like, maybe. Like, I don't know. I think that's... <laughs> I think that's a horrible take. I would have been just like, you know what? Uh, you know, you shouldn't have let them die, but try and hide it better. <laughs> you know, and not have been like, yeah, let them die. Yeah, let them die so you can you can be safe. That's, I have no idea that's why. That's a shit take. It was, it was, it was something <laughs> unusual, but, uh, you know, Kevin Costner being the uh, great thespian actor that he is, you know, he portrays it very, very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah with I mean. Gravitas and theatricality. Yeah, I mean, he's, you could tell he's a very loving father figure, but he's he's terrible. He's terrible at giving advice. Everything you're doing is bad. I want you to know this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, that was just awful just to hear him say, yeah, maybe you should let, let them die. I don't know. That was just, oh, no. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, we see uh, Clark at another job after he leaves um he leaves his job on the ship. He works at a bar. Yeah, he's working at a bar, and there's this jerk at the bar. Uh, what's with Superman movies and jerks in, in bars? Remember, I think it was well, like actually, Superman, in Superman 2 or Superman 2, there was a yeah. <laughs> trucker who was being a, um, what you might call a uh, negative Nelly. <laughs> and who was being rude and rude, and all of a sudden... Uh, that is one big pile of shit. It's just, it's just, you know, a load of, you know, nonsense, because <laughs> I don't see the point where, um, you know... There's a rude guy, and he antagonizes, you know, Clark Kent. And, of course, uh-huh. he almost uses his um, his superpowers. And, of course, the lady tells him, like, you know, it ain't worth it. Yeah. Okay, now we're back at Man of Steel. Yeah. And then so, uh, yeah, he's very – because he's, he's he got mad because he was, like – he was, like, messing with one of the, the female almost, workers there. Harassing her. Yeah, and then he he like poured his drink on Clark, and like he could tell he wanted to beat the fuck out of him really badly, but uh, he held back. Uh, but then finally, uh, he you know he could only contain his rage so much. Uh, he impaled a semi uh, on some uh, with power lines. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Um, it was a little a little over overboard. I feel like the guy would have heard because I mean, he it's, uh, from what I could tell in the movie, he didn't notice until he went outside and saw his truck impaled. But you you think. Uh, uh, some damage of that magnitude, he would have heard it from inside, like like this huge crashing and cracking and destruction. You think he would have ran outside? What the fuck is that? Uh, but he seemed to be surprised when he walked outside and he saw the truck impaled. Um, yeah, and I, I think they could have done a, they could have done a little bit more uh, a subtle uh, moment there. Maybe he could have, like crush the front end of it or something like that instead of like breaking the power lines. But uh, hey. You know, he's angry. He doesn't know what he, you know, he's doing and whatnot. <laughs> uh, what did you think about that scene? It was very, very awesome. Yeah. You, know, you know, Clark Kent couldn't beat the, you know, stuffing out of that guy because, you know, <laughs> he had to keep a low profile because of his, you know, Kryptonian powers and whatnot. So he uh, decided to take the truck and put it on the power line. Yeah. And, of course, there's that scene uh, later on where we see Lois. Uh, played by the great Amy Adams. Yes, and uh, she's investigating. Uh, apparently, uh, some individuals have found a, a, some kind of object buried underneath, uh, like ice, an ice sheet that's like you know thousands and thousands of years old. They're they can go and they're going to go investigate it. And she's of course on the case. She's a journalist for the Daily Planet, so she's got to figure out what's going on. And uh, Clark is one of the people that's on the expedition with them, but he's there because he wants to investigate it for himself. Um, you know, he did, I forget what exactly, I don't know if they mentioned it, but does he know at the time that it's Kryptonian or did he just have like a hunch? What, uh, do you... uh, they have a hunch. Uh, Lois Lane has a hunch of who her mystery man is, or she doesn't know who it is. Um, there is a, uh, well, she, she finds out that he has something to do with it after she sees him wandering off, uh, wandering off into the, to the snow or whatever and she follows him and then uh and then of he, course she sees uh bob woodward oh yeah 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 but yeah he doesn't like clark he like melts 
like the ice and uh, yeah, and uh, no one can believe it because they think it's uh, supernatural, uh, natural stuff. They don't understand what's going on. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, it's uh, something of a mystery to them. Yeah, it. Uh, he ends up finding his way into the ship, and then eventually, that's uh, that's the same ship that he um, finds uh, Jor-el. Well, it's uh, like a it's not it's not Jor-el. Obviously, Jor-el's dead, but it's like a, what would you call it? Like a AI Jor-el or something. An like that. AI. Like he uploaded uh, his brain brain waves into the ship or something. Yeah, like it's that. A very very you know AI ish. You know, very AI, uh, very different. I assume that it's in many many movies. Uh huh. Uh, but then um, there's one scene where Lois ends up, uh, she's still investigating uh, what's going on uh, because, you know, she's she's seen Clark snooping around the ship and whatnot. And so uh, she she eventually traces him back to, uh, you know, his hometown. She goes to investigate in Smallville. She's asking people that he may have known. I think she interviews that like that that bully kid at one point. She interviews people that he's been previously employed with, and eventually she makes her way to the Kent farm and whatnot. And so I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like Clark didn't uh, do a good job of uh, kind of hiding his trail. Like she literally found out uh, who he was in a matter of, uh, you know. I don't know if it, maybe in a couple of days, I don't know the timeline, but uh, she was able to trace it back to him pretty quickly. So he didn't do a good job of covering his tracks. Um, I think maybe that, maybe that's why uh, Jonathan was so worried about him using his powers. Uh, But eventually um, Clark, I think has a heart, a heart to heart with her uh, explaining the whole situation and uh, how he needs to hide his abilities. Eventually uh, she's trying to go to the, um, the Daily Planet with all this information and whatnot. And Perry White, played by Lawrence Fishburne, he wanted to kill the story immediately. And he's like, this is insane. He's like, you're, you're a respected journalist. We're not going to put out some story about aliens and whatnot. Uh, but then eventually, uh, after the heart to heart with Superman and whatnot, she decides to drop the story uh, because she knows that she doesn't want to uh, you know, reveal his identity to the world because he said that you know the world's not ready yet. Um yeah, I love that scene, though, uh, when he does go to the ship and he has the talk uh, with Jor-El and about his past and his history. And then we get the reveal of his Superman suit uh, and he takes his first flight. What do you think about that? It's awesome. It was pretty epic. Um, very, very epic. Uh, the flight's very, very awesome. Um, special effects are awesome. The um, theatricality of the movie is very, very bold very epic the music is very very strong it has a certain um uh, awesomeness to it yeah i thought the uh the first flight scene could have been a little bit shorter i, I, don't, I don't mind the the one from the original movie it's pretty just uh simple you know he gets his talk with jor-el uh then you see off in the distance uh superman wearing his suit and he flies towards screen and uh you know he it basically ends with him you know flying towards the camera um, this one is a lot more drawn out. Uh, it takes, it takes more time with it. We see him like trying to fly. I thought, I thought, the, I thought that was a cool detail where he's like trying to fly, he jumps up in the air. And at that point, I don't think he knows, he knows he can fly yet, but he, he, he jumps and he's kind of doing the, these really tall leaps, just like in the original comic books. Uh, his original power wasn't a flight. It was just, he could jump really high. Uh, so at first he's just kind of jumping really high and eventually he jumps so high and he's, he's able to sustain his height and fly into the air. And he looks kind of surprised. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a little long-winded. There's scenes where he crashes into a mountain and then he's flying with, like, and he flies into, a, like, a area with, like, a bunch of animals and a plane and they're running and stuff like that. I feel like it could have been shortened a little bit, but it was still pretty epic. And then, uh, like I said, this the movie keeps cutting back and forth. Uh, between you know past and present, there's one scene where we see uh, we see Clark, uh, you know, t- having a talk uh, with Jonathan Kent, of course, the King of Bad uh, Advice, <laughs> and uh, you know, he, it's almost like the same same exact talk as Uncle Ben and Peter Parker had, uh, you know, where he's like, you know, you're you're getting older, you're changing, you get you got to be careful who you're changing into, and it was it was like almost verbatim uh, that same exact pretty talk. much, and then even to the point where he's like, you know, you're not my real father. You know, and then uh, and I it, it actually you know <laughs> it's actually a familiarity to the Uncle Ben talk with um, P- 
Peter Parker. So yeah. I can understand that uh, correlation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I believe this is at the same moment when the tornado rips through Kansas, right? Yeah, and it's very, <laughs> very dark. I mean, like, you know, in the comic books, I don't know if anybody's read them, but Jonathan Kent dies of a heart attack in yeah. the comic books. In this uh, one. It happens in the Superman movie, and it happens in uh, Smallville. Uh-huh. And then, of course, it happens in uh, Man of Steel, but it's very, very different. This, yeah, this is very different. Um, so, um, so, yeah, the Kansas... The, the Kansas, the tornado starts ripping through the town. Uh, and you know, the, there's a bunch of cars, you know, in the area. And so they decide that they need to get everyone underneath the overpass, uh, to protect themselves from their tornado. And eventually, uh, Jonathan Kent goes back for a dog that's trapped in the car. And then, uh, the tornado rips through and it, it ends up, uh, crushing down the car or something like that. The, something happens. And then he gets his foot trapped in there and uh, his foot, like, I don't know, he, I think it breaks his ankle or something. And then so uh, Jonathan can't walk uh, and get away in time from the tornado. Clark is desperately wanting to save him. Uh, but, you know, Jonathan can't put his hand up. He's like, no, don't, you know, don't save me. Uh, basically trying to protect his identity. But it's like, I think Superman's fast enough to go and save him uh, without anybody knowing, uh, noticing who it was that saved him. Um, but no, he's, he's so steadfast on like, no, I don't want anyone to know you need to keep this shit secret, you know, that uh, he's willing to risk his own life for the biscuit. And, uh, I totally. thought it was really, really dark. <laughs> I just thought that, I thought that was lame. It would just, <laughs> I thought that Superman would just like, you know, save him yeah. and just like come back like, you know, like, uh, like a superhero, of course, or a hero, but yeah, I, I feel just like he could have done it. I just feel like it would be more noble. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, man. He, he, Apparently he had this idea and he was willing to die for it that, you know, protecting his son uh, was more important. And I guess, yeah, that's noble in a way, but uh, I think, I think he could have done it without even noticing who it was. But that's just, that's just my, my own theory. Um, So yeah, so, so uh, Jonathan dies. Of course that shapes a lot of who Superman is as a person. And then eventually later on in the movie, we see uh, that uh, Clark is not alone. Apparently uh, they see a, um, a ship orbiting the moon and it's like the military that notices at first uh, the ship that's orbiting and we see uh, General Stanwyck played by Harry Lennox who later on in the uh, uh, Justice League Zack Snyder version we find out is Martian Manhunter I wish we would have gotten more of that that was cool but it was a very small small cameo yeah but very very brief and very 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 awesome of course Zod escaped the uh, the Phantom Zone with his crew. I mean, it, of that's course, a in the, in the um, Superman movie, uh, Jor El, portrayed by Marlon Brando, um, he puts him in the uh, uh, some kind of like a a small yet uh, closing um glass. Yeah, it reminded me of like a little square of cellophane or something like that. And then they they were they were like, remember there's like the scene where they're floating in space, they're like kind of pressing against it, and you can see their hands like pressing against the weird square thing, phantom zone thing. <laughs> uh, but in similar fashion, they're able to escape. In the first, like in the original movies, they're able to escape the phantom zone. In the second one, I think it was like the explosion of Krypton, like I think destroyed the. Uh, Actually, it was the uh, Superman was going to save the. Um the missile he's gonna get get rid of the missile but uh the missile accidentally hit the glass and uh, oh, is that what happened i yeah, haven't seen it and, in a while. And, and they uh they escaped and in this one he's able to like fashion something out of like the phantom drive or whatever what's it called the phantom zone oh not the oh yeah the phantom zone but there's like what's that kind of warp engine thing the that they use drive. yeah and they were able to use it to, to fashion an escape method where they created a wormhole that allowed them to exit the phantom zone or some shit but anyway uh, they found their way out. See, that's why I think sometimes it's good just to kill the villains because they they're gonna get out. You know, it's like you put, you can put away the Joker in Ar- in uh, you know Arkham, but he's gonna get out and he's gonna kill more people. Just put him down. That is you know, a good idea. Uh, but I get, you know, that's the thing about superheroes. They're supposed to be more noble than that. But you know, this is what you get. You know, the the the, the villain escapes to do more dastardly deeds. But anyway. Uh, we see uh, they're circling the moon. They're looking, and then, oh, and then they do that creepy broadcast down onto Earth. On yeah, all the it was very, very um, you, you said much it, like uh, I forget what it's. I forget what it is, but it's like uh, you said it reminded you of the Mandarin. Definitely, <laughs> and then very, Iron very Man much. Uh, it was very, very different. Uh, there was no 
picture of Zod. It just showed him like, you know, very fuzzy, very yeah. something. It was very, very weird, out of place. <laughs> I was able to show his it's face. It's kind of cool though. Yeah, but it was, it was kind of creep, more creepy that way. He sees like an impression of some kind of figure on screen talking about how we want, you know, there's an alien living amongst you. He's pretending to be you, but he's not one of you. And we just want him. We're not going to harm you and blah, blah, blah. Of course, he's bullshitting because his whole plan is, you know, spoilers to destroy the whole planet. He wants to uh, use, uh, there's like these machines. I forget what they're called. Uh, they're like terraforming machines that um, that take um, you know, the planet and then destroy it and rebuild it into like a version of Krypton. And so, uh, I think they put like one at each end of the earth and it uses like mag the magnetic pull to like just crush everything, like a big, like can crusher and shit. And, uh, it, at the same time, it like spews gases into the air that changes the atmosphere. It's kind of cool. I like the, you know, like that thing that they came up with for the movie. Um, uh, the FBI detains Lois to get to Superman. Uh, eventually, uh, you know, Kal-El, he's, he's kind of torn on what to do. He's like, you know, he doesn't know if he should turn himself in or what he should do about it. Uh, he goes to a priest. I like that scene. He's talking with the priest. And behind him, you see in the stained glass a picture of Jesus uh, in the Garden of uh, Gethsemane, which is um, which is very, like, symbolic because uh, in, in that part of the Bible, that's when Jesus was going to be detained uh, by the Roman soldiers and so it's, 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 it's drawing like a strong parallel because, Ooh. you know, uh, Kal-El is about to be detained by Zod's uh, uh, soldiers. And so uh, the whole thing is about Jesus struggling, you know, to turn himself in, which is what Kal-El is going through. So it's a very strong you know, parallel. Comparison. Yeah. Um, and I like how they put that imagery in, you know, right behind him. Uh, so he decides to turn himself in. Uh, so he turns himself uh, to be handed over to Zod. Uh, and there's that scene where, like, the I like uh, that scene where he's in handcuffs, uh, being held by the military. Um, you know, where they're preparing to hand him over, and then uh, he uh, undoes. He's like, he's able to break the handcuffs. So, like, literally, he was just keeping him on to make them feel safe. But he broke through the handcuffs. He's like, look, I can literally. I forget exactly what he says. I'm paraphrasing here. I can like, break the handcuffs. Yeah, he's saying something like, I could literally tear you apart, but I'm willing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm willing to cooperate with you guys. Like, I'm not here to hurt you. Like, I'm the good guy here, basically. Um, but yeah. And then, uh, eventually, uh, eventually they do hand over Kal-El to Zod. Uh, and then, uh, they kind of change, as in a kind of change of plans, they also take Lois, uh, with them. I forget what the reason why, but they take Lois too. I have no idea, but of course, when they get into Zod's ship, um, Superman is not used to the, uh, air climate, so he passes out and of course they had, of course they get to have a breather and, you know, that's, uh, the stuff oh, yeah. that they put on their face and it's like, it helps them breathe because the atmosphere is well you know let's just say it's uh different from earth's yeah air. there's that epic scene though when he does faint and he has like that vision of a uh, of um zod telling him his plan that's when he finds out he's going to destroy earth um and then uh we see him talking and uh kal-el starts sinking into that pit it's like a ball pit of skulls <laughs> it's kind of that was that was great i love that imagery um you know, the, the, like I said, the, the the visuals are just stunning in this. I was uh, I, remember, I remember thinking when uh, watching the movie, Zod should have just lied to <laughs> Kal El. He should have been like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep everyone alive. Don't worry about it." And then he could have done his plan. But of course, they always have to tell tell everyone their plans. I mean, that's what's kind of screwed over Superman to begin with, because uh, Jor El he told Zod that he was sending his son to Earth. He should have said shit. And then he wouldn't have known to go looking for him, but he spilled the beans and that's when the movie happened. I guess we wouldn't have a movie without it, but uh, in the similar fashion here, it's like, uh, you know, Zod was like, yes, I'm going to destroy earth and turn it into Krypton and, and all the people that you love are going to die. You know, he hadn't, he said shit, you know, he wouldn't have, I don't know. Maybe he could have kept kal from saving everybody. I don't know, but uh, everyone's got to blab their mouths about everything. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Kal-El gets a pep talk from Jor-El, uh, you know, basically telling him to save humanity, which is what the which is the message he should have received this whole time, not not the message from Jonathan Kent to let everyone die to save his own hide. I thought that's just bad. That's bad advice. Uh, and then eventually, uh, there's they're looking for the Codex. Um, so uh, there's one point where Zod and crew they go over to the farmhouse because they think it's inside of the ship. Uh, that that Kal-El was sent in 
Uh, so they go there. They even freaking choke Martha and throw her around. I don't know how she didn't break any bones. Uh, but they like tossed her like a rag doll. And of course, uh, Kella wasn't having any of that shit. You know, I forget what he says, but he's like, you, you, you don't threaten my mom or some shit. And then um, eventually there's a battle that breaks out in Smallville. I, I kind of like that battle. Um, it's when it starts getting into the city, when it starts getting into, uh, you know, all the big buildings and stuff that are getting blown up. I thought it get uh, it went a little gratuitous with the uh, with the craziness and the hecticness, which is a, a which is a part uh, that a lot of people had a problem with all the destruction and death that happened, and it's, it's kind of carried over into man, uh, to Batman versus Superman. They had to address that issue, uh, but there was just so much crazy destruction and whatnot. Of course, in the destruction, um, I believe that you know Superman gets punched by Zod and he hits something which is obviously a Luther Corp truck. Oh yeah, that's when, right. Um, Superman punches Zod in the air we get to see a Wayne Enterprises satellite. That's right, yeah. I remember um, when everyone saw that Wayne satellite, there was theories that it was Christian Bale's Batman, but of course you know, now we know that's not the case. It's Ben Affleck who's our Batman in this one, but um, you know, that was yet before we were to get any news about uh, Batman in this universe. So, uh, but yeah, I like those little references that they threw in. Uh, but like I was saying, I, I do love the Smallville battle the most. I and mean, of course we get the military trying to attack and we get the, the warthogs, uh, you know, trying to shoot at Zod and crew. Um, but of course the warthogs get ripped apart. Uh, there's one part where uh, uh, Chris Maloney, he tries to stab uh, Feora with a knife. Uh, I mean, I don't know how he thought that was going to work. I mean, literally, they, they couldn't take him out with warthogs. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I guess it was just a symbolism of his courage or something. But, uh, of course, it didn't work out. Would you say you uh, enjoyed all the, the chaos and destruction in this movie? Of course. It was very, very uh, awesome. The special effects are awesome. What's fantastic about this movie is that it's very grounded, rooted. I think they got the elements of the comics in the movie and uh the thing about that was that they showed the uh uh poster of the the name of the kansas city called uh, smallville uh, yeah yeah of course where superman grew up um yeah like i said i thought uh, i thought the the intensity level of this movie was something like you would see in a in a team-up movie like a bit where there's bigger stakes involved I mean, of course, when you have super, uh, you know, people with powers like Superman and Zod, you're going to have that kind of level of destruction. But like I said, I wouldn't mind it a fight, uh, you know, staying in a smaller town like Smallville. That way it's it's like it's, you still have a lot of high-paced action. There's some destruction, but it's not like, you know, tearing the whole city apart. Uh, it allows some, some breathing room for them to fight without so much destruction. Um, and, of course, they ended up using... Uh, that criticism and putting it as a plot point in Batman versus Superman, where the destruction, uh, all the destruction and chaos caused Batman to be angry at Superman. So I guess it worked out in that sense, but I think making Batman versus Superman, I've said this before, but making Batman versus Superman right after man of steel was a mistake. They should have went into man of steel two, uh, fleshed out, you know, Superman more, uh, you know, post Zod and him, you know, you know, trying to work out his morality and, maybe deciding that killing isn't the best thing to do and becoming the Superman he should have become and then moving on to other solo movies and build up to a team movie later. But, you know, that's not the route they went. They were trying to rush it to beat Marvel, Uh, you know, and then we have to live with that decision now. But, uh, yeah, I I definitely like the Smallville battle better. And, of course, you know, we got all that crazy stuff going on in Metropolis. Uh, Eventually... Uh, they crash land into the train station and uh, that's when, uh, you know, of course, then, then the world engines are destroyed. Uh, there's that epic scene uh, where Kal-El destroys one of the world engines by like flying straight up into it. That was pretty epic. There's one part of that scene where uh, he almost looks like uh, Christopher Reeves as he's flying up into the world engine. Um, and then so Zod realizes that his plans have been foiled. So he just pissed. So as they crash land into the train station, he's about to take it out on some civilians nearby. He says something like, "Well, if you love them so much, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna watch you're gonna watch me destroy them one by one, or something like that." And so he like he tries to use his laser heat vision on some uh, civilians standing nearby, and of course, 
you know, Superman's desperately trying to keep him from uh, burning them alive. And he's, he has, he's grabbing his head, trying to direct it in the other direction. Remind me of that scene where uh, Judge Doom is trying to dip Jessica and Roger Rabbit. <laughs> and they're desperately trying to keep the dip away from them. But, uh, and so in desperation, the only thing he can do is snap Zod's neck. And, you know, he does some, he did, you know, something they didn't want to do. A lot of people, you know, had an issue with him killing, you know, killing Zod. But uh, he did it out of desperation. I think it was a good lesson for Superman to learn of something that he doesn't want to do. What do you think? Yeah, it was very, very different to see. But, uh, yeah, you know, Superman had that uh, uh, breaking point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, that's a good way to put it. It was a breaking point for him. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> he broke Every hero the has and... their breaking point. Yeah, and if, uh, like I said, I feel like if they had fleshed out Superman even more in, a, in his own solo movie... I feel like they could have touched on that. Like, you know, he can reflect on having to make that decision to kill somebody uh, for the greater good and, you know, how that affected him and how that shaped him as the, you know, the man of steel and, you know, being Superman and what that meant to him, you know. Uh, yeah. All in all, I think this was a pretty damn good movie. Uh, very, held, very, very good movie. Yeah. It held up better than I thought. I mean, in comparison to a lot of the other movies that DC put out after this, it definitely shines as one of the best. Uh, I would give it a solid 7 out of 10. Um, definitely, definitely worth a rewatch. Can't believe it's been 10 years. Uh, what would you rate Superman? I know you rated it earlier, but would, would you still give it a 10 out of 10? I give it a uh, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. That's pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, I had fun rewatching this one. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a while. Like I said, great visuals, a lot of good epic stories, a little overdone in some spots. Um, they could have tracked it back a little bit, but all in all, pretty solid movie. Love Henry Cavill. You know, it's sad to see him not there as Superman anymore, but hopefully the next Superman we get is just as good. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what James Gunn can pull off here. Uh, well, this has been fun. My name is Alec. And my name's DJ, the movie man Wagner, also known as the COE of the <laughs> Men Who Watch Movies. And we hope you join us next time on we hope the you, Men Who Watch we Movies. We hope you join us next time. And of course, subscribe to this channel. Yes, subscribe. Click the notification down below. Yeah, you can Post check us. Post your comments down below and let us know what you thought about the podcast. And of course, I have my podcast called yes. Movie Man Behind the Scenes. Yeah, and I'll put a link to that on the end screen of this video. Uh, like you said, make sure to like this video, subscribe. Uh, we have a lot more stuff coming up for you. Uh, we're going to try and branch out and do some other kinds of videos and stuff like that. Yep. Um, we're trying to build more content, so uh, we need uh, more views, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes, uh, and of course, you know, we you can watch us on YouTube if you're watching a YouTube. Uh, you know, we're also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Uh, you can listen to it as an audio podcast if you don't want to watch our ugly mugs, or you can check us out here on YouTube and see the video. Now, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we break this up into two sections. Uh, we have the movie review portion, then we have the movie news portion. If you're listening to it on an audio podcast format, it's all just one long audio podcast. So however you want to consume this, it's up to you. Uh, but this has been fun. And uh, we want to remind you all to check back with us next time. But in the meantime, keep on watching. watching. <laughs> I hope this video goes viral and it will. Take care, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, everybody.